Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State Football Podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jenny Carlson. We're heading home after a 23-16 Oklahoma State survival over Missouri State. And, uh, and that really was what it came down to, surviving at the, uh, at the last moment. Uh, two different drives inside the last three minutes where Missouri State was trying to tie the game and, uh, and they were inside, the, uh, inside the, the red zone of Oklahoma State. Really a, uh, an unexpected turn, not just, uh, not just from what was expected before the game, but even uh, halfway into the game, really. It was with eight minutes left, Scott. Oklahoma State's up two touchdowns. Yeah, and you're thinking, okay, you know, you figure, hey, if Missouri State scores, it's gonna get a little close for comfort. But Missouri State scores, and the kickoff that wasn't even an onside kick that went sideways. I mean, it was just a bad finish for Oklahoma State. Yeah, it was. I mean, at one point they were leading twenty to nothing in in this game, and uh, twenty to three at halftime, and it felt like it was kind of a ho-hum first half but uh you felt like they were uh still in control of the game and uh turned out to not be the case at all it was a uh, very bizarre second half a lot to get into uh let's start though with uh with some of the injuries really quickly uh several guys that were uh, that were out and uh too many to uh, to go through all of them but spencer sanders being the big one uh starting quarterback was out because of covid protocols Mike Gunny says he should be back in uh, in a few days, so we'll see uh, whether uh, whether he's able to uh, get back and and be in shape and ready to go when they face Tulsa next Saturday. Trace Ford, uh, according to the radio broadcast, underwent a uh, surgery recently, and Mike Gundy says he'll be out for a while. wasn't uh, wasn't very specific in uh, exactly how long Trace Ford's going to be out, but said he'll be out for a while. Israel Antwine, the other defensive lineman who was out, should be back uh, in a few days, Gundy said. Same with Hunter uh, Woodard, who was missing on the offensive line. So, uh, And then there were uh, a few other injuries. Uh, like I said, too many to, uh, to name all of them. Langston Anderson apparently suffered a uh, fairly severe, severe foot injury during warm-ups, which was uh, really unfortunate. Sounded, uh, sounded pretty significant. And it sounded like he was going to play ahead of uh, ahead of Jaden Bray, who uh, who came in uh, when Tay Martin uh, tweaked his ankle. So lots of lots of stuff going on for this team. But um, Jenny, let's uh, let's jump into it. Shane Illingworth comes in. Obviously, he said he had about a week to uh, prepare with the with the first team offense and try to get ready for this game, knowing that he was going to be the guy. And um, for the most part, I thought he played pretty well. He missed uh, missed a few throws, finished 22 of 40 for 315 yards, touchdown and a pick. But for the most part, I thought it was pretty solid. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, uh, a week to prepare was a lot more than a year ago when he got <laughs> thrown into the fire uh, in that Tulsa game. He had, uh, as you might remember, uh, was out because of COVID protocols. Uh, for about two weeks before then, question whether he would even suit up for the Tulsa game. And it's a good thing he did because he right. got thrown in there after Spencer Sanders gets hurt. He uh, plays that game, plays the next week, um, but really not much prep time. And this was a lot more prep time. And, and I think just, you know, overall, this has been a much more extended and 
uh, beneficial camp and on off season overall for these guys. I mean, just, uh, you know, being able to actually be on campus in the spring and practicing and, and the summer and actually doing, you know, fairly significant workouts. I mean, I think we've seen lots of evidence of that and lots of different guys. Um, but Shane Ellingworth, yeah, Scott, I mean, I thought he, I thought he played well. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you can say there's a quarterback controversy, but he throws it really well and he looks very comfortable, um, throws it deep and fairly accurately. We did see, and I'm sure we'll get into this in a second, Missouri State did some things to slow down uh, Oklahoma State's run game even more than I think some self-inflicted problems for Oklahoma State, and that may have changed just how challenging the pass game was for Shane Ellingworth, especially in the second half. But um, he does not look like a guy who gets rattled, really looks like he's finding a comfort zone in the offense. So I don't know what that means. I mean, I think you've got some really good receivers if you're Oklahoma State, some young guys and some talented, uh, you know, not only in the future, but for the here and now. And it's going to be interesting to see when Spencer Sanders gets back out there, you know, what's what's that look like? We've heard positives about him this preseason, but is he able to really wing it? We haven't seen it out of him as a, as a college quarterback at Oklahoma State. Is this the year we see it? If not, it looks like the Cowboys got a pretty good second option in Shane Ellingworth. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and at the same time, they look like they've got a pretty good number one option at wide receiver. Tay Martin had a great start to the game. Four catches on the first drive, 58 yards and a touchdown. Uh, caught the ball there all four times that he was targeted. Uh, really uh, an impressive start. Then, uh, then, as I mentioned earlier, tweaked his ankle and uh, came in, got some x-rays. Everything was uh, was all clear on that. Comes back for the second half and ends up with over 100 yards, 107 yards, and on six catches with the uh, with the one early touchdown. So a uh, really impressive, uh, I, I keep wanting to say debut for him because it feels like he didn't really play last year, but, uh, but uh, second season at Oklahoma State. Um, very impressive start to the season for him. Uh, Brennan Presley had a, had a big day. Some uh, young receivers stepped up and uh, and played well in in some different spots. Jordan, uh, sorry, excuse me, Jaden Bray from Norman had a uh, had a big game. Uh, Bryson Green. I'm going to have trouble with the Green Twins all all year. I know that's going to be uh, <laughs> that's going to be a tricky one, especially when they both start playing. Blaine Green was another another uh, injury issue. Uh, he was out as well after being expected to be the starter at uh, at that uh, that wide out position it ended up being his twin brother so uh, that was an interesting development but um, I guess that's why they're glad they got both twins to come to uh, to come to Stillwater <laughs> worked out pretty well worked out for him so hey, you mentioned Tay Martin and this not being his debut but we didn't see this version of Tay Martin no. a year ago I mean the, the, and I realize that you know, as we were, as I mentioned before, this off season has benefited a lot of players, and you know, you might put Tay Martin at the top of that list if you're yeah. Oklahoma State. Um, you know, just looks like that type of game changer that you know you sort of thought when he transferred a year ago, like maybe that, maybe that could be his role, and just never was that explosive a guy. Of course, when you got Tylen Wallace on the field, sort of you know more than makes up for the fact that Tay Martin may not be you know quite that guy yet but he looked like he you know 
fights for it. He is willing to battle. Um, it wasn't a perfect night for him, but, man, it was really good, Scott. Yeah, it was. It was a really impressive performance uh, on, on his part, and uh, uh, won't get too much into it, but you're, uh, you're writing about what his family is going through down in, uh, in Louisiana. Uh, really uh, a lot on his mind this week and to uh, to come out and, and have this performance uh, probably a, uh, a relieving feeling a uh, little bit of an escape for for his family who was uh, who was dealing with uh, Hurricane Ida and and the uh, the aftermath of that yeah just unbelievable to, to hear him talk about you know that they've done this before and that's just I mean it's just hard to wrap your brain around I mean I know here in Oklahoma you know, people go through tornadoes, and we have to deal with that on a pretty regular basis. But you know, to have that level of destruction, you know, across such a wide swath of his home state, and um, yeah, Scott, as you, as you mentioned, you know, just a lot of staying in contact. How's the family? They did relocate, um, but it sounds like he's not real sure that you know what the rebuilding might look like for his family. So. Um, yeah, I hope, uh, hope people get a chance to check out what he had to say. I am writing about that. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, to be able to compartmentalize and go out and have a, you know, sort of breakout game. I mean, I know it was the opener. I know it was Missouri State, not the best team Oklahoma State's going to play this year. But he looked the part of a dominant uh, alpha sort, sort of receiver for Oklahoma State tonight. Absolutely. And they're, uh, they're going to need that going forward. Brian Presley is – a really impressive talent in the slot, but they need that guy that can go go line up one on one and uh, and go catch a deep ball and uh, and uh, and and make a play. So that's a really important position in this offense, and it's uh, it's one of the uh, spots that really makes this offense go. And I think that uh, that you're you're going to see that be uh, continue to be a really important uh, position. And uh, it's, you can continue to see Tay Martin continue to be a, an important player in this offense because of his uh, because of his skills. So, um, yeah, as far as the offense goes, that's kind of where the uh, the bright shiny fun thing stopped. <laughs> that was kind of the end of it. Um, the uh, the offensive line, I'll say uh, I'll say their pass protection was solid. Uh, I'm looking at the stats real quick. They, one, they, one, one sack. sack allowed. One yeah. sack allowed. And only four quarterback hurries. And frankly, Shane Illingworth is a—he's very much a pocket passer. Yeah. He's not going to get out and scramble like Spencer Sanders does. So when he dropped back to pass, there was some pressure on that offensive line to to keep that pocket intact. So for him to be protected like that, I thought the pass protection was, considering all the problems with the offensive line last year, I'm like, wow, these guys are are pass blocking pretty darn well but the opposite was true with the run blocking scott oh the run game was a disaster it was uh it was it was gross um (laughs) that's that's really what it was and um you know they finished with 28 carries for 54 yards an average of 1.9 per carry Mm. and uh that's uh it's with the with the uh lost yardage of the sack and the uh, the lost yardage of uh, downing the ball at the end of the game one time uh, all included in there but uh, but that all counts too they they all count so um, LD Brown leads the rushing attack with 15 carries for 30 yards and a touchdown 
Jalen Warren, who it felt felt like he was more productive than this, but he did have uh, one play called back because of a penalty and then one screen pass uh, wiped out as well. Uh, but uh, six carries for nine yards and a touchdown. Desmond Jackson looked like he was going to bring some life to the run game. Three carries for 14 yards, and he fumbles, and, uh, and that was the end of, the, of his day. So, you know, we had that... Uh, that three-headed monster, the four-headed monster, really, that you were expecting to see. Three guys that actually played in the game. Dominic Richardson did not uh, did not get a carry, and I don't think that he entered the game at running back, to my uh, to my knowledge. Um, you know, it was a uh, it was it was a rough go for those guys. And with as with as excited as Oklahoma State is about their running backs. A lot of this feels like it has to fall on the offensive line, and it certainly looked that, that way, it just uh, to the naked eye as the game was going on. Yeah. Um, but uh, with the talent that they feel like they've got at running back, you feel like they would be able to run the ball a little bit better than the, than this. Well, you they should have been able to run the ball a lot better than this against right. Missouri State, but in general, be more much more productive than uh, than they were. And this seems to fall a lot on the offensive line, Jenny. You know, I know that the running backs weren't perfect every time. I mean, there were definitely, uh, you know, points where I thought, man, you know, he needs to cut that up. He needs to get upfield. You know, obviously no no running back is going to get it perfect every time. But, boy, it just seemed like there was very limited room to navigate. You know, a guy would – you know, go on an inside run and just seemed like he got swallowed up almost before he could get started. And, you know, it's one thing to, you know, need to, you know, zip through a, a, a small hole or, you know, figure out a way to make a guy miss when you get to into the secondary. But there wasn't any getting into the secondary tonight for these running backs. So, yeah, I think that, again, I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, those guys that did run it were perfect. But, Boy, I I'm with you, Scott. I gotta think that the diagnosis leans more towards a, an offensive line that was struggling. Um, and who knows? Maybe maybe Missouri State, upon seeing that it wasn't Spencer Sanders, it was Shane Ellingworth, they decided, you know what? You're just gonna have to beat us with your passing game. Yeah. I mean, but even at that, I'm sorry, it's Missouri State. They're an FCS team. You're supposed to be able to dominate. You're supposed to be able to do what you want to do. And, you know, maybe that means you don't have 400 yards rushing, but you sure as heck better have more than they had tonight. I, yeah. To me, that's that's got to be a very concerning development when you know that this is maybe it's not the easiest team on your schedule, but you got to think it's one of the two, right? You're right. Exactly. I mean, uh, I don't know. You got questions about Tulsa at this point after losing to UC Davis in their opener, yeah. but but still that Kansas team, yeah you got Kansas <laughs> out there too so um you've got to you've got to think that this was uh, I mean this was definitely supposed to be one of the uh one of your blowouts uh, on the schedule and for it to come down to the uh, the end the way that it did is uh, is really frustrating and and the inability to run the ball was uh, was front and center in the uh, the issues that uh, that Oklahoma State faced tonight, it was uh, it, it didn't it didn't allow them to extend drives. It didn't allow them to uh, give the defense some rest, run the clock. It uh, it 
led to some limitations in the passing game because uh, because Missouri State wasn't even having to uh, to necessarily load the box to stop the run. So it was a uh, it was a pretty crazy scenario to watch it all play out the way that it did and to see this uh, this team that we thought was going to be able to uh, to move the ball pretty well and, and put points up on the board uh, not be able to do that. So uh, now the offensive line did have the one injury to Hunter Woodard that I mentioned earlier. Um, but uh, I don't I don't know that that one injury necessarily should have uh, should have derailed things the way that uh, the way that it did. So very uh, very frustrating if you're if you're running the Oklahoma State offense to uh, to have this type of performance. I do have to say though, while the offense was struggling, looks like Oklahoma State's still going to play some pretty good defense this year. Yes. It really does. They were uh, they were put in some really tough situations, and uh, and held their own. Only gave up the one touchdown, uh, gave up three field goals, blocked another. Uh, really, uh, really strong performance um, all the way around by the defense. Really good on third downs again. They had a, a couple of uh, slip ups late in the game that uh, that allowed Missouri State to keep some drives alive and uh, and and go and score, but. Uh, when you're put in uh, tough situations over and over and over again, those uh, those little uh, little mishaps are going to occur. Had a couple of penalties down the stretch that uh, looked like they were just getting kind of sloppy. Uh, had a roughing the passer penalty that was uh, that was detrimental. Um, and some other some other little things that uh, that crept in late in the game when uh, when guys had to be getting a little bit tired and they'd been on the field a long time. Uh, especially that that last drive after the uh, the kickoff that you mentioned, mm-hmm. when they go right back out there, get sent right back out there onto the field after L.D. Brown mishandles the uh, the kickoff and Missouri State recovers the uh, like the world's deepest onside, I guess is what you would call it. <laughs> I don't I don't know. <laughs> I got to tell you, when the ball was in the air, I thought, oh, Oklahoma State lucked out, no onside kick. You don't have to go and try <laughs> and field it. Right. And then L.D. Brown, who. Uh, you know, as Mike Gundy said afterwards, a veteran guy, you know, no reason to think that he hasn't done what he was going to do in that moment a lot of times in practice and, you know, over the years making good decisions and, you know, tries to pick up the ball and it's kind of down by his knees or his shins and he doesn't quite get it. And all of a sudden you got to scramble and Missouri State has it in short field and Cowboy fans know the rest. They watched it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it, – it was not a good finish for Oklahoma State. And, you know, I mean, obviously it, there's alarms on some things. But the bottom line is it's an opener. We saw quite a few teams around the country struggle in openers. And then you get to the point where you, you know, you you have to decide as a, as a team, is that – is that a learning experience or is that a defining experience? And Oklahoma State gets to figure that out. I think defensively, they are in a good spot. And then it just comes down to figuring out offensively. I mean, like you said, Scott, I mean, defense isn't perfect. They made some errors here and there. But overall, you got to like where they sit. And you got to feel good about that because that buys you time offensively to figure out what you need to figure out. Yeah, and and the defense is 
so full of veterans, even with guys that were uh, that were out and are going to be out. Uh, they they're still cycling in uh, seniors in place of uh, you know okay Trace Ford is out you got Brock Martin stepping in to, to that spot uh, Israel Antoine is out you got Sione Asi stepping in, into that spot you got 50 or seniors that are in these roles that are uh, that are really crucial so um, the defense is going to be there I, I think that's uh, that's not a concern it's uh, Figuring out what's going to happen with this offense going forward, and you know what they're going to look like with Spencer Sanders back, and what the offensive line can do, that makes the uh, the big difference. I was sitting over here kind of chuckling because we heard from Shane Illingworth after the game and asked him about the defense. Somebody did at one point, and he said defense has been great ever since I've been here. And there's a lot of Cowboy fans probably sitting <laughs> around going. Well, listen, kid, let me tell you a little bit about how the defense has come along because that didn't used to be the case. But he's exactly right. I mean, these last two, well, almost two full years, two, almost three years now, I guess, seasons, Mm -hmm. if you look back at it, Jim Knowles has had a defense that, you know, they can go on and win games. And so I think, you know, you're right, Scott, great depth. They've got older guys that a lot of them provide that depth, but then they've also got some really young, exciting young guys. I mean, look at what Colin Oliver did in this game from Edmond Santa Fe. I mean, a guy that, um, you know, we heard was likely to play. Doesn't Guys don't really redshirt anymore, but, you know, he's in there at the very end making plays. So I think that bodes really well, too. Yeah, it does. Uh, he was impressive in, uh, in, in his uh, spots that he got to play. The uh, the two backup linebackers Mason Cobb and Cameron Farrar both uh, both made plays when they were in. Uh, so young guys are getting their opportunities to rotate in. Corey Black had a, uh, a special teams play that was uh, incredibly impressive, fielding a uh, bouncing punt that had been mis- misplayed by Missouri State. Mike Boynton might want him for some rebounding. <laughs> I don't know. He right? seemed to have some pretty good ups there. He got up for that one. That's for sure. Um, Let's talk about special teams a little bit because they had kind of an interesting day. They were a little bit all over the place. Uh, they did miss an extra point early on, um, which was uh, which was not uh, not that concerning to uh, to Mike Gundy. Said he wasn't even watching, and uh, that's how trusting he is of of uh, Alex Hale. But um, they uh, they had that. They uh, blocked a field goal. They had the uh, the muff. the muff the muff punt that they uh, that they recovered. They had the muff kickoff that they mishandled. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hutton averaged over forty-five yards per punt, forty-five point four on seven attempts. If anybody's keeping track at home, <laughs> no. If you just are, me? <laughs> just me. <laughs> okay. If you are, you might need some help. But, <laughs> yeah. But Scott, Scott can provide you your support group. <laughs> support He's the group leader. right here. <laughs> it was a it was a weird day for them. I I actually graded special teams in the report card, and I think I ended up giving them a B. Yeah, but I was fair. sort of all over the place. Like I think I started with a C because it was just. I mean, I think they had four punt returns for fifteen yards, or I mean, just some really bleh areas. But Brennan Presley had a nice thirty-six yard return on a kickoff that was a little bit of a charge and then like you mentioned um Corey Black's um you know the getting that that muff punt that was big they ended up I think getting a field goal out of that but mm-hmm. it was just kind of a 
I don't know. It was a, it was almost like a boomer bust situation. Like they were either, you know, really pretty good or it was just kind of like, eh, you know, not much of anything. So, I, it's it special teams over the last few years has kind of been like that for Oklahoma State. Haven't had great, uh, you know dynamic guys in the return game maybe Brennan Presley becomes more that guy um he's definitely got the speed for it um elusiveness I mean I think he's I think he's gonna you know give people cause to sit up and and pay attention when he fields the ball but I don't know it's it's interesting this is just a start but um you know it was it was really kind of a all over the map sort of special teams night it felt like yeah it was and uh, hearing you talking about your your grade for the special teams made me think back to uh, the uh, the item that I wrote about the uh, the run game that uh, started out with a headline that uh, <laughs> was was just just you know fairly basic about uh, they kind of they kind of struggled you know and then it uh, gradually kept getting worse and worse <laughs> and worse as the game went yeah. on yeah and. Uh, <laughs> Eventually, I just gave up and uh, just I just said, "No, that's that's too that was too nice." Um, it was uh, it was a it was a it was a weird one. It was a it, weird game. It was a little bit like a, an NBA game where you know things are sort of trending, 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 and then about midway through the fourth quarter, the game becomes totally different than <laughs> right. it was for the first three and a half quarters. And you know, it was I mean, Oklahoma State was. Like, like we talked from the outset, Scott, they were fairly, you know, uh, you know, cruise controlling. And maybe that was the problem. Maybe they sort of got complacent a little bit. And I really thought, you know, it was interesting that if that is kind of part of what happened, you know, they were pretty aggressive in the first half. Um, I thought they did some things that, you know, went forward on fourth down in one spot that, you know, in times past, maybe they don't. They were in the two-minute drill to end the half and – Sometimes we've seen them maybe not go that way either. So I thought there were moments of good aggression, and you know, then <laughs> maybe that was maybe they did take their their foot off the the pedal because I really felt like they had a chance to put Missouri State away a couple times, and obviously that wasn't how this game turned out. Yeah, it, it wasn't. And um, as you look ahead to, to Tulsa, mm-hmm. uh, mentioned the uh, the loss to UC Davis the other night for them to open their season. Still, it's a uh, it's a veteran team. A lot of uh, a lot of super seniors on that team. Um, they lost some key pieces from last year's squad that uh, that took OSU to the wire uh, in the uh, season opener. But still, this is a this is a team that's that's got D one talent, and you're going to have to go and, and play. Uh, you're going to have to play better than this to uh, to be able to put them away and and feel comfortable about it. Well, and I think Tulsa, you know, obviously, I mean, regardless of who you got, you got to think they're going to go out and beat UC Davis. So um, this is not, I'm not, what I'm about to say is no excuse for what they were unable to do. Um, but they had some guys serving suspensions. Uh, the result of that ugly fight at the end of their bowl game a year ago, um, you know, so they, they had some, they had some guys missing that frankly they've known since last December, January, we're going right. to be gone. So um, clearly, you know, those guys will be back. You'll have a much fuller complement of players uh, for Tulsa against Oklahoma State. And then you got to think that they're going to be fairly fired up to show that that UC Davis game was not who they're going to be this year. So 
it's going to be pretty important for Oklahoma State to have a similar mindset of showing, hey, you know, having to go to the wire against Missouri State is not who they're going to be, and are they going to do something about it? I think that's going to be, um, I think you're going to have two pretty motivated teams, and I think both of them are more talented than they showed in their openers, and I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see from week one to two, you know, who takes who takes big steps, who comes out and, and you know, uses that to try to figure some things out, and, you know, how, how definitive will that be? We'll find out, hopefully, we may or may not find out whether Spencer Sanders is going to be playing for the Cowboys next week or if he'll still be out. Uh, we'll talk to Mike Gundy on Monday about that, see what we can find out there, see, uh, get a little bit more in-depth uh, breakdown of, of what he thinks went wrong in the run game and, uh, and what their plans are to fix that. And then, uh, and then go from there. It should be an interesting week for the Cowboys as they try to prepare for this Tulsa game. So, all right, Jenny, we wrap it up, as always, with uh, the most important thing I forgot. Anything, uh, anything on your mind that, huh. uh, that, we, uh, that we didn't, uh, didn't discuss in, uh, in this one? We, uh, we, we covered it all pretty well. We, we, got, we got a lot of stuff in, Scott. Hey, I'll say this, though. Uh, capacity or n- unlimited uh, you know, fan numbers felt loud at the end. Um, yep. It filled in fairly uh, well at the beginning. It was hot, Scott. I mean, yes, it was. everybody knows it's hot right now. It was hot. You know, so people were, I think, waiting until really close to kickoff to come in. I get it. But I thought it was a good crowd. Um, thought it was pretty lively. Thought the people that hung in there to the end were a big part of, you know, making things difficult for Missouri State at the end. Um, and, you know, it's just marching band on the field before the game i mean stuff that you forgot we didn't <laughs> right. have last year happened yeah. i was like oh yeah the band they were there they just didn't march on the field last year so it was very nice to have some measure of normalcy um even as we're still obviously going through this pandemic and um we were all masked in the press box because we were inside and we're in the post game and we'll probably be the rest of the year but you know if uh that helps we're all for it Absolutely, it didn't rain on us, so that was uh, that was good. I was uh, I was a little bit terrified of that. <laughs> We're gonna be walking to the car in the rain because we got a good we got a pretty good hike from the stadium to the uh, to the the media parking garage. So yeah, uh, that people was... people think we get it all cushy, but that's <laughs> that's one thing we do not have is a close parking spot. But you know what? It's all right. We managed. The um, the Twix ice cream bars in the in the uh, press box make up for the walk after the game. Maybe we get the Twix ice cream bars because they know we got to walk, and so <laughs> yes. they know we'll walk it off on the way back to the car. Yeah, that's our, that's our trade off. Makes sense. All right, Jenny, thank you for joining me. You got it. Thanks to everybody for listening to the Cowboy Chronicles podcast. We'll talk to you next week.